Hello survivors and welcome to First Aid Spray, a Resident Evil podcast by fans for fans. This is episode 11 of the show and the second edition of Profile, wherein we take a look at every appearance from a character in the Biohazard franchise. This time around we're discussing at length the man, the myth, the legend that is Barry Burton. My name is Soniac, you can just call me Cy, and joining me on the panel this week, he's sure to yellow and mellow you, it's Firebutton Steve Valance. Hello! And we have a very special guest this week, as Barry himself would say, take a look at this, it's Tony from Residents of Evil. How are we doing everybody? Good morning from my country, and good afternoon from the country we are broadcasting from. Indeed, time zones are fun. <laughs> This episode of the podcast is being recorded live in the First Aid Spray Discord server, which you can join now to hear unedited podcasts and contribute to the conversation in the text chat, as well as talk to us and other Resident Evil fans about the series. It's also a good place to put yourself forward for the file readings to appear in the show and to ask questions for our bite-sized discussion segment. You can find a link to the server in the description of this podcast or on all of our social media accounts. Before we jump into the first segment of this episode and every other episode, which is of course the news, uh, I just wanted to backtrack a little bit to our special guest there. First ever American on the podcast, actually, now that you reminded me. Um, and just kind of introduce you to our listeners who may not be aware who you are. So, Tony, obviously, uh, you kind of put yourself forward for this episode because, as I said, this is part two of Profile. We previously did a podcast on Rebecca and it kind of made sense to go with Barry after that. We did put a feeler out asking people who they'd like to hear us talk about next. And it was a very mixed reaction. There was really no one that kind of won outright. So I figured Barry was a good choice. Um, he doesn't have a ton of appearances that we have to wade through. And also Rebecca, Chris's partner in the original Resident Evil, and Barry, Jill's partner in the original Resident Evil. So it matches up nicely. So I put that tweet out asking for people in the community that might want to sit down and talk about Barry for an hour and a half, two hours. And uh, you immediately jumped on that. Uh, and we're happy to have you. So if you'd like to introduce yourself a bit, tell everyone kind of your history with Resident Evil. Uh, yeah, so my name's Tony, uh, aka One Big Boss, as I go by online. And yeah, I've been a Resident Evil fan since the beginning. The first time I ever actually discovered Resident Evil was the day it came out. Uh, ironically enough, I was at uh, KB Toys with my, my father, and I see all the games out there, and I see this like really awesome cover for this game called Resident Evil. I never heard of it before, and it was for the PlayStation, so I, I picked it up, and it was really unlike anything I ever played. And, you know, a lot of other people got into the series at Resident Evil 2, but for me, it was at the beginning, and this was kind of like a big game-changer for somebody who grew up playing, like, NES games, Sega Genesis, Super Nintendo, that kind of thing. You know, this was... I mean, you know, I had played other PlayStation games as well, but Resident Evil just seemed on a whole different level at that point to me as, uh, I think it was, like, eight, nine years old when the original one came out. Wow, fair enough. So back in day one, like you say, uh, and then since then, I'm guessing it's basically just snowballed and grown because most people would, uh, if they're aware of you already, would know that you're part of Residents of Evil, which is, I suppose, in the terms of things, because it's been such a long-running franchise, is quite a newer Resident Evil community. Um, but you've got, you guys have really grown uh, over the years really, really quickly. Uh, how did you get involved with being part of Residents of Evil? Uh, well, after a failed attempt of stopping terrorists in L.A. Oh, wait, no, I'm living diehard again. Sorry. 
No, uh, no. The, the Residents of Evil was something that was formed by JJ originally. He had this idea to just create uh, content for a series he really loved, and he wanted the people he could really relate to. And he reached out to us over at Resident Evil 1.5, and that's pretty much where it went from there. Residents of Evil was kind of like you guys, you know, for the fans by the fans type deal, and. We really just wanted to make a community where people could actually have like proper discussions. You know, there's no evil or malice or anything like that or uh, fan wars. And we just wanted to have fun with it. We didn't really believe that it could take off to be something that it is today. Be, oh, at least I felt like that. I can't speak for the rest of the team. But the way I looked at like how YouTube was going a couple of years ago and how it's still going today, it's just like, yeah, getting known on YouTube is kind of a hard thing to the oversaturation. But we really just hit it big and we kept going with it because people kept messaging us saying it's like you know it's like oh we we love your stuff we love your work we love everything you guys have done it's helped me through a lot of hard times and you know having said this stuff to voice actors and people i've met throughout the years and stuff and then having it said to me is like a whole different ball game mm -hmm. so you know i'm pretty much the team's hype man like i'll get hype for the streams i'll keep it going i'll keep the laughter going i go to conventions i've had people come up to me that knew who i was or when they didn't realize who i was at first i put my sunglasses on then they then they recognize me because <laughs> nobody's really seen me without my sunglasses on it's kind of like people are like holy crap you have eyes <laughs> like that one gif where someone takes sunglasses off and then there's immediately another one right underneath yeah that's uh rowdy roddy piper from uh yeah. uh, they, uh was it they live or whatever yes. it was that yep, the, exactly. yes so like that was uh that was a thing and I, I did that like I, I, on my Instagram I had taken my sunglasses off and the exact same pair of sunglasses I have multiple pairs of the same sunglasses <laughs> I took that off because like it was my uh like that moment when you see Avengers uh, Endgame and like just took the glasses off and the glasses were there with the theme song playing <laughs> <laughs> so like people people were loving it they thought that was great but yeah no like I mean uh for me pre pre pretty much on the team I just. I do what I can for the community. Like I talk to a lot of the fans. Uh, I go to the conventions. I do a lot of cosplay photo uh, photography. Uh, you know, get hype for the stream and just uh, do a lot of the interviews too. I've pretty much been on most of the interviews. Ali's the guy who's the genius behind that of getting people to come on the show, and he's really good at them. But uh, yeah, Roe was just it took off and it just shocked and you know we got like a lot of people coming to us wanting to work with us and then you know we want to reach out and work with other people more as, as best we can and that's why when i saw what you guys were doing i was i heard uh you guys' work before and i was like oh yeah gotta do it i, I gotta get on this i want to talk about barry burton you know i want to talk to these guys they're really good because you know resident evil's been around for over 20 years there's a lot of content to talk about and i'm glad because it's one of my favorite series it's tied with metal gear is like my favorite franchise and it includes the name, one big boss, really, you know. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really interesting because uh, sort of the history of, of Roe, um, you guys came at like a perfect moment, I think. Um, it was a weird time um, for the franchise and for the fan community in general because we had some really sort of dark years where not a lot was going on or the stuff that was coming out was like... Uh, uh, generally regarded as bad or very mixed reactions depending on where you're looking in the community and that's right yeah and a lot of the old guard all these websites the ones that i used to visit when i was younger and stuff that kind of sunk to the background and they not to like dig at anybody but and, it, and i know it's difficult but they weren't really keeping up with the changes that were happening with the online community and that's why a lot of these old websites um had started to fall a little bit into obscurity these they've been around for a long time as well so eventually 
people just lose interest or friendships will fracture and blah, 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 blah. So there's all these old Resident Evil communities that had started to fade and you guys kind of came running out of the gate uh, uh, at that opportunity that began to arise. And now the community in general um, is in a really good place for that because now all oh, yeah. these old guards are coming back and everyone's connecting, like you said, um, everyone's contributing to each other's stuff. So it was really cool to kind of make that sort of bridge with you guys. And we're obviously still quite new. We only sort of kicked off in November last year was our first episode. Um, but yeah, it's like a really crazy and exciting time for the Resident Evil community at the moment. Yeah, you're not be... wrong. Oh, sorry. Um, oh, no, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for it, go for it. I'd say Roe is on, at least on YouTube side, I'd say it's probably the, uh, the front, front line for yeah. Resident News right now uh definitely and uh, i mean they had a pretty big peak a couple of weeks back when they got like nick from re2 literally playing the game with them so uh, that's pretty pretty damn cool yeah no nick nick's a great guy he's he's so like down to earth because he's you know as you've heard from the podcast we've done with him before and if you, any of you saw the uh the, the playthrough he did with his brothers and cousin uh it was the same thing he was a fan like us you know like he him and his brothers play games as kids and they they loved resident evil 2 and leon was one of his favorite characters so he got to play the character and uh yeah he's just a great guy the the voice actors we've all got to talk to uh and interview i mean like ruben we got ruben langdon dc douglas you know uh aaron cahill who did rebecca recently in uh the vendetta movie that was just we've gotten so many people and yeah, that's the thing like we we did join at a very interesting time, like you said, because, you know, I mean, like we were like Roe was already around, but we really started to get uh, traction with the hype of Resident Evil 7 because yeah. it, there was kind of a dark period for Resident Like, I, look, I'm not trying to like start no flame wars or anything, but Resident Evil 6, in my opinion, was a game that was really rough. I mean, there are things I do actually really like about the game, especially it's like production value and how like good it looked and how like the acting from the actors, especially Roger Craig Smith as, as Chris. I think he did a. Phenomenal job, Matthew Mercer as Leon, like hit it out of the park. And so there are things to like about it, but it did leave a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. And I kind of felt with like the Revelations series, like Revelations one and two, it kind of started that 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 path back to survival horror. And then seven kind of brought that horror back. A lot of people were just, I think, upset because seven really didn't feel like a Resident Evil game because there weren't any familiar characters until near the end of the game. Uh, mm -hmm. This was kind of uh, a lot of people said, well, this should have been more of a spinoff thing, kind of a Code Veronica thing instead of being a mainstay title. And I was like, oh, yeah, I could see where you guys would think that. But, you know, we uh, we just we talked to uh, actually I think we did. We we talked to the entire cast of Resident Evil 7 and the actors were great. And, um, you know, it's just it was a good time for us to come in. And it, it, it I saw a lot of these, as you said, all the old guard coming back, which was fantastic because we need content like this to keep around like it's it's free advertisement for capcom and it's stuff that we all love well i'm sure we could probably just talk in circles about the franchise in general but we actually oh, have yeah. stuff to get to oh, yeah, so of course. it's probably yeah. worth jumping into the news oh yeah oh dear <laughs> get ready <laughs> Okay, so Article 1 of our many news stories today. The, the Nintendo Switch ports of Resident Evil 5 and 6 will release on October 29th, and on the same day, the Resident Evil Triple Pack will release in North America, featuring RE4 on cartridge and download codes for 5 and 6, and will be priced at $59.99 US dollars. What do we think of that then, boys? Yeah, I uh, didn't quite see this one coming, 
Uh, it fits in with what they did with Revelations on the Switch, which, as you remember, Revelations 1 on the cartridge and a code for Revelations 2. And I'm assuming it fits in with that in the sense that this is an American-only release and we probably won't get it over in Europe. Uh, I haven't seen anything to confirm or deny, but I definitely haven't seen anything to confirm being the operative part. So I'm just going to assume uh, that the physical release is American only, which again is a shame considering the pricing of the game um, as a digital thing doesn't really match up with the fact that there is no physical release in Europe. So it's oh, no, a shame. Just under twenty dollars a pop though seems reasonable, at least to me. You know? Is that well, okay, no, fair enough. I'll give you that. It's a bit more reasonable than remake zero and uh, and all that stuff. So yeah, I mean it's mm. okay. I'm not totally put off by this. I I don't know if I will buy it, but it's cool that all the DLC is there and all, and all that stuff, like we said previously before. Why are you, Tony? Are you bothered? Uh, yeah, you know, like, it, it is kind of a, a bother in many ways uh, to me because I just, I know that there's a switch tax for cartridges, and that's kind of caused a lot of uh, back and forth with a lot of people, but I just don't understand why these games that are about, you know, because Resident Evil 5 this year turned 10 years old, and mm -hmm. I think 6 is about 8 now, and asking $60, especially for one that's only a digital, that's, to me, a, a bit strange, and I think that's a bit unfair for them to ask us that when, I, you know, probably a lot of people have bought these on every other version possible, which I, I know I have. Uh, I mean, from playing remake and zero and four on the switch i can tell you that they're they're very good ports uh, zero has some slowdown times and i don't think four looks as good but it still looks beautiful like you know, it's not like as good as it would be on pc or ps4 but sure and re and remake was beautiful it flowed it flowed very smoothly i loved it but overall uh i don't think that price is worth the asking price for it i really feel that they kind of shot themselves in their foot with that especially when only one game is technically physical and I'm a guy who likes to collect physical media. I I'm a, I'm, I collect video games in my spare time. So uh, that just to me, whew. yeah, I um, it's a shame because I know if I had the money <laughs> to just throw <laughs> around willy nilly, I would just buy this just to have it on the shelf with everything else. Um, I, I am planning. I'm just dressing the box art, so I'm honestly yeah, I would absolutely the, the box art. So wonderful. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, but, just just to go on the yeah. shelf. Um, along with the Revelations ones. Um, but would I otherwise really be that bothered? I think our general consensus on the Switch stuff they've done so far have been okay, but meh. So that will mean the only thing missing off the Switch will be RE3, right? Uh, well, the two. Yeah. Games. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I, two, yeah, two as well, yeah. Code oh, yeah, yeah. We said before, I think on the previous episode, Code Veronica is the most suspicious one because that has an HD version that was made for... Uh, last gen and I think is now on this gen as well so it's weird that that hasn't you know shown up on the switch yet in some form do we know how well that sold versus its uh, siblings or I mean not to be pessimistic but CV's never been the popular child well no this is true I suppose but um, I can't imagine it would take that much work to get it on the switch for the few buys that it would get hmm. I yeah know. I mean yeah it could work I mean hell that they, they put uh, Devil May Cry the original Devil May Cry on the switch recently so uh, I mean, I know that one sold really well back in the day, but, you know, to get people hyped for older Resident Evil content and possible future remakes, it's good to revisit these old IPs and these old games in order to, you know, get newer fans of the franchise. Because you got to remember, too, there was kind of a big split many years ago with Resident Evil com the community. It's like everybody was a fan from, like, Resident Evil 1 through 
you know, like Zero, One, Two, Three, and Code Veronica, plus the remake, those were like the, the original fans. And then four came out, and that was kind of like a big divide and where a lot of people kind of jumped in. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people hadn't really played the older games. And they were they were dismissing. I start for the longest time. People were just dis- like newer fans were dismissing the older games, and older fans were dismissing the newer games. That kind of deal. And when they when they brought remake out as remastered for the PS3 and PS4, and uh, I think it was on other uh, ones at one point too, it broke all kinds of records on the PSN. And a lot of the uh, the new guard pretty much went back and they played it, and they were like, "Oh my god, we." We've been missing out. This game's really <laughs> good. This game's, I mean, it's old, but it still looks great. And there's different controls. There's analogs. So, you know, there's things like that uh, that I, I think divide people. And I think Code Veronica does deserve the chance to to shine again if they properly uh, advertise it, I, I guess is the word uh, I should say, is properly advertise it. I don't know if they'll be able to do it, but would they be able to, like, mimic the newer control scheme from Remastered and Zero, do you think, throw that into TV? I mean, I know it's got 3D camera angles, but that might be the that be the same. That would be phrase, interesting. Yeah, that would be really yeah. cool. If we found that, out that's, that's actually a good idea. Yeah, if we found out that's the reason why it hasn't happened yet, because they're tinkering with that, that'd be pretty cool, because uh, really, uh, out of the selection that's on the Switch right now... Um, Code Veronica would be the thing that I'd be most interested added to that. That's the one that I'd be most likely to buy, ironically. So, yeah. I mean, let's, there's no there's no secret pre-rendered shots in there at all. So they technically could maybe piss off a few fans and go for an over-the-shoulder view in a 3D if they really wanted to just, here's Code Veronica, <laughs> sort of new, but not. You know? That's very true. It's true. It's very, it's very true. <laughs> That's hmm. so weird. I can already see the anger. Okay. Um, <laughs> Capcom have released a call for Biohazard Ambassadors in Japan to test a new project. So, yeah, the most exciting news of this week. Um, I remember like, when this came out a couple of days ago on Twitter, I just went on and everything was on fire. People were just like running around screaming. Um, people <laughs> were very excited about the fact that there is something new, Resident Evil, in development and at a stage uh, where they're inviting people in to test it, which... Uh, says to a certain degree that at least a portion of it is far enough along that they want to see what people think. Um, obviously, there's a lot to dissect here. That could just be, hey, we've built something on a completely, maybe not a new engine, but a completely different playstyle, and we just want to get what people, uh, how they feel about the general basic gameplay, or maybe something is close to being done. But of course, there are plenty of people who are just like throwing their hats in the air with joy and jubilation, because according to them, Remake 3, uh, Dino Crisis Remake, Resident Evil 8, whichever one they prefer, is coming out by the end of the year. Obviously, Umbrella Core 2. It sold so well. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh! I may have Tony, sorry. Oh, my, my stomach. <laughs> so when I my say temper hurts. your expectations, that's not what I meant, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to make of this. What do you, how do you guys feel about this? Uh, I mean, honestly, I'm calling it right now. It's Power Stone 3. <laughs> <laughs> fans are, fans are going to be like, what's Power Stone? <laughs> uh, I mean, for those of you who don't know, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a classic uh, uh, fighting game that they made back on the Dreamcast. It only was ever on the Dreamcast, and it hasn't really seen the light of day since a PSP release when they had the Power Stone collection. But if uh, any of you are curious about it, look it up. It's, it's really a good game. But overall, like, I don't know. It's probably something Resident Evil related because of how hot Resident Evil is. Well, this is this or- is the thing. There's two bits of news here that are getting confused with people. So, Capcom put out testers for uh, Biohazard Ambassadors in Japan. So that means something yeah. Resident Evil. 
the the idea that and our next headline is something else separate, something being announced, that might not necessarily ah, yes. be this project. So it is worth saying that there's possibly two things going on here and people are getting them confused. I mean, I'm, either way, I'm happy. Mm -hmm. like, you know, like I'm happy that this is a, a legit thing because, I mean... Whatever, I mean, like I said, biohazard ambassadors, they're testing something. It's just, I think it's just got everybody really hyped up. You know, it's just that a new project is happening. And it's like anything else you love. Like when you hear news about it, you just like get like a kid on Christmas and you just want to know more. You want to see it now. <laughs> yeah, I did. Wrap your present. It's yeah. rather cool too. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I, uh, I swear to God, in some alternate universe, that's actually true. Like it happened. <laughs> there's, there's literally me in another universe hanging myself or something. <laughs> I'm tutting at everyone, like, getting too excited. But you're right, like, it's good to see everyone really hyped up by this, definitely. The positivity is uh, infectious, um, but we have no idea what this is. So, Sorry, what do you think it's going to be? Like, real, realistic hot take, what would it actually be? Realistic you... hot take? I don't think um, you're going to get Resident Evil 8 anytime soon. I don't think Remake 3 is going to be anytime soon. So I'm guessing it's a side game of some kind. If you want to call it Revelations 3, maybe it's Revelations 3. See, Something I'm, I'm else entirely. Mm. There mm. is another headline that maybe informs what this is that we'll get to, so maybe we should just jump along and discuss the whole thing as it is. I'm going to just yeah. throw the title out there, okay? It's going to be Resident Evil Revelations 3, colon, Dino Crisis. <laughs> Right. <laughs> They're going to merge the franchise. It's going to take the time travel out. It's going to be some weird science stuff and then dinosaurs because Umbrella Just are stupid. Try and make yeah, everyone science. happy. <laughs> <laughs> try and make everyone happy all at once. Yeah. Okay. I mean, hunters were cool, right? What if we made raptors? Yeah, that sounds good, Wesker. Why not? <laughs> uh, okay. Right. Our next bit of news then. Capcom will announce something at Gamescom August 13th. But it's not necessarily Resident Evil, apparently. Yeah, there, I guess there isn't too much to say on this one, really. Uh, I doubt that this testing project is the thing that's being announced in, at the time of recording, five days, somehow, unless it's just a, a vague tease for it. I don't know. Mm. Like, there's a lot of mystery here. It's mm, that you're not wrong. It's the final <laughs> headline, though, that really ties this all together in an interesting way, I think. Yeah, I, I, I think we should just jump straight into this because I think yeah. the final headline is probably what's going to be announced, personally. Mm. And it is that Jill Valentine is going to be available as a playable character in Teppan in a Resident Evil expansion coming in September. So yeah, to Jill Valentine, now available for download if you are a Teppan player. Um, Teppan, for those people that don't know, and that's quite likely to be some of you because I didn't know this game even existed until like the day it came out and everyone was talking about it. I I hadn't heard any promotion that they had done for it, if they had done any at all. It was just suddenly out. Um, it is a Capcom kind of all-stars card game um, for mobile and tablets and all those kind of devices. Um, brings together characters and stuff from Street Fighter, Devil May Cry, Resident Evil, so on and so forth. All the Capcom classics. Jill is the brand new character available now. And as Steve said, there is a Resident Evil, like a whole expansion based on Resident Evil coming out in September. Um, and the most interesting part out of all of this is that the image they have selected to use to kind of promote this has the Operation Raccoon City cast of characters in the top right corner. Uh, a cast of characters that I guess many of us assumed we were never going to see again. So it's interesting that they've deliberately picked this 
So when you're take, like asking about a hot take, maybe this testing thing is Raccoon City 2. Hmm. I mean, it could be because uh, I mean, the thing is also like you got to look at why it's coming out next month. Next month is the 20th anniversary of Resident Evil 3, which is mm-hmm. very exciting for me because it's my favorite Resident Evil game of all time. So I mean, you're right. I mean, they could be testing uh, for, you know, maybe there could be an Operation Raccoon City 2, which here's the thing. I actually really enjoyed the idea of yeah. Operation Raccoon City, and I actually enjoy playing it with my friends still, but its execution and how it went was a bit rough uh, at, at times. Like, it, it was a good idea, it just wasn't done properly. But I really did enjoy it, and I was kind of hoping that there would be a, you know, like a lot of people are going to be like, should we, like, burn this guy at the stake right now for what he's saying? But no, I couldn't agree more, Tony, mate, yeah. to be honest with you. I, I really yeah, think like, it was a, a good idea done badly. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was something that I really enjoyed. But I mean, you know, I think for the other thing to look at too, because I, I I've played Teppan and I, I've I've looked at a lot of the artwork because that's what captured me for this game. The artwork mm, is yes. just friggin' phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, there's a card of uh, Steve Burnside, and he's laying on. I didn't know who it was at first. I saw Wesker standing over him. I'm like, wait, who is it? I was like, oh crap! It's when he goes to take Steve's body. It's like, yeah. oh, that's cool. So like, you know, and they they're throwing a lot of resident evil characters and like they've done it with like devil may cry as well they've done it with uh the street fighter characters and i think there was, was captain commando in there as well in one of the cards yeah. i think yeah so yeah. like they're um like they're just throwing everything in for it so it could allude to future games uh i think honestly i think people would buy it um i think people would buy operation raccoon city if it looked really good and handled really well in a strange way i can see them doing it because uh what they had attempted to do at the time, in a way, is much more popular now, the sort of character-based shooter. Um, and if they did it with a good engine, like the RE engine, and they really figured it out, it could actually be a half-decent game. There are going to be lots of people that are very upset that uh, whatever it is is not a horror game, or it's not canon, and this kind of thing. But, if, but, I mean, I'm not upset at the idea of just a fun Resident Evil game while we wait for whatever's next. I, I mean, would, get, I would actually it, um, not be opposed. And stuff like that, you know, want to have a bit of fun. Mm. Absolutely. In a str- I'm, I'm kind of surprised at myself for even having that reaction to the possibility of it. I, I didn't really get on with the first game. I haven't played it since it came out. But after experiencing what we did experience with Remake 2, even the more combat-heavy stuff like the DLC, I'm happy just to play more stuff that feels kind of like that. Um, and if it's anything like that, uh, I'm down to clown. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I also want to agree 100%. The artwork in Teppan, even if you don't play the game, look through the Resident Evil cards that are in it. Incredible stuff. Amazing. Oh, Some of the stuff they've picked as well. Um, it's just like, wow, that's I kind of unexpected as well. Yeah, like the, that artwork, man. Like as an artist myself, that's just, it's so beautiful. It's really well done. And it's like, it, I think they, they, they hired a, friggin ton of different artists for this if i remember reading that correctly and somehow they managed to make all the cards kind of look similar but have different takes on them and like you know still like the style uh-huh. that they wanted the artist to draw in but the artist's original style is still there i think i just think it's beautiful like i, I couldn't believe like the detail for resident evil and street fighter and the devil may cry stuff too that that detail for that blew my mind so, I mean, like I said, if people want to know more about Teppin, the best way I can uh, say it, what it's like, it's like that Hearthstone game. Yes, I was a fan it, of that, kind of, you know, so yeah. I think I should probably give this one a go if I find the free time for it. 
And now, returning to the podcast to read the file email from Barry to Chris from Resident Evil Revelations 2, in character as Barry Burton, Sonny Bauer, who you can follow on Twitter at Artie Scarano. Hey Chris, I heard you just got back from Africa. Some crazy shit went down there. Glad to hear you're okay. And better yet, you brought Jill back. When I heard the news, I was so happy I could have done cartwheels down the streets. Not that my knees would allow for that kind of thing anymore. I mean, after all the shit the three of us have been through, you know, we gotta look out for each other. Watch each other's backs. But I don't have to tell you the value of having a good partner now, do I? Well, you just got back, so you need some time to recover. Take it easy, you hear? If I hear you're hitting the gym again, I'm gonna come down and kick your ass personally. I know things are gonna be a bit crazy for a while for you and Jill, but when you're both settled in, let's all go out for a drink or something. It's been too long. Barry. Okay, so the core discussion of this podcast is about Mr. Barry Burton. So obviously Barry has appeared in several games and we'll get to them canonically, but a little bit of background information about about Barry before we start. So this is sort of paraphrased from projectumbrella.net, so shout out to those guys. Barry Burton was born in circa 1960. He joined the United States Air Force in 1983 where he served with Chris Redfield. After completing his service, he joined the force and a SWAT team his mentor in law enforcement was Enrico Marini, and then he was scouted to the RPD Stars in 1996 for his extensive knowledge and skill with firearms. He was placed in charge of routine upgrade and replenishment of the unit's firearms, and soon after he enlisted Redfield into the unit himself. Whenever Redfield did something wrong, Chief of Police Brian Irons complained to Burton each and every time, therefore proving Barry is the dad. In his private life, he frequented Jay's Bar in Raccoon City and was a close friend of Robert Kendo, the, on the owner of Kendo Gun Shop, with whom he went fishing in Stoneville. Burton often assigned modifications of Star's weapons to Kendo, most notably the custom Samurai Edge handgun. Barry is a family man, and at this time he and his wife Kathy had two young daughters, Moira and Polly. In July of 1998, however, Albert Wesker takes his family hostage in order to control Barry during the upcoming X-Day mission, which takes us to Resident Evil 1996. Of course, I don't really need to explain the plot for this game. Uh, most people listening should know this game inside and out. Obviously, Barry being part of Star's Alpha Team visits the mansion in search of Bravo Team uh, and gets cut off from the rest of his squad. He's Jill's sort of partner character and assists her throughout her campaign in various moments as well. And most notably, he is part of the uh, kind of betrayal storyline um, with Wesker kind of pulling the trigger and kind of pushing him in a certain direction and... Uh, forcing the stars to go down a path so that he can collect combat data for the tyrant. So in Resident Evil 1996, we'll start with the original, Barry was portrayed by Barry, I hope I pronounced this right, Barry Yerde was his voice actor, and the live-action counterpart was Greg Smith. Who wants to go first? Is this anybody particular's uh, favourite version of Barry? I asked our Discord server, actually, as part of a poll who their favourite, which their favourite version of Barry was, and the 1996 version came out on top. 
um, which I found quite interesting because obviously this is the one uh, that most people remember for good or for bad. The most iconic voice in video games. Um, <laughs> yeah. The most iconic. I mean, it's not only is he the voice of Barry, he's also, uh, was it, uh, Tale of Souls and Swords from the original Soul, Soul Edge intro as well? That's right. Oh, wow, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll start. Okay, I just want to have a quick question because I'm not 100% sure on this. When is Barry quote-unquote compromised? Is it before the mission starts or is it that meeting in the guardhouse? You know, um, when does he become a traitor? Uh, it's actually before the mission starts, um, according to Project Umbrella. Uh, yeah, they said that it's sometime in July, Wesker scoops up his uh, family. and Yeah, so I don't know how much he knows about what Wesker's plans are, especially in terms of that mansion, but he knows this is all going on before he steps through the door, which is interesting. Oh. I didn't know that before I did that research, actually. So to play it back, obviously for the podcast, I've been playing him back just to get you know, fresh in the mind. And I, mm -hmm. I, I was like, is this the point he gets twisted? But if it was before the mission, that kind of throws a few things askew anyway. If he knows on the up and up, he should know to aim a bit higher with his magnum, maybe. Um, <laughs> you know, but no, I think RE1, original RE1, RE1 Barry, is kind of portrayed in a slightly more positive light than remake Barry, as I'm sure we'll get onto. Um, as he doesn't really do anything particularly dodgy except right... In uh, he drops a rope and he points a gun at Jill's head before he betrays Wesker. Uh, otherwise, bit of a goofball, likes to have a laugh, thinks you've just been almost safe from a crushing trap, now I'll call you a sandwich. You know, <laughs> yeah. he's an overall kind of sound guy, gives you ammo, like, he drops little ammo pools everywhere for you, and um, you can get him killed a lot faster than you can in the remake. You absolutely can. Yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a lot more... Um... There's a lot of different things that happen with Barry in the 1996 version over the remake, actually. Uh, like that rope scene that you just mentioned is obviously something that never shows up in the remake. And now that you mention it, I always just assumed he was an idiot and accidentally dropped the rope. Like, do you, I think that's it, believable. Yeah, but it, do you think maybe that it's written in a way that he intentionally leaves Jill down there and then just has a change of heart and comes back with a new rope? Because like, the way you said that made you maybe thinking that it was on purpose. I'd never even considered that. Uh, I think it's it, it's a it could be one or the other because if you don't wait for him to bring the rope back, I'm pretty sure that's a trigger for him dying. It is, um, yeah. So I, I kind of want to think that he he does drop the rope and then has a crisis of faith, being a traitor. And if you wait for him, he thinks, oh, maybe I should shouldn't betray everybody, and um, and leads to obviously a better outcome for him. Um, that whole sequence is completely dropped from the remake, though, isn't it? I, there's no bit like that at all no I not right. at all. Yeah. <laughs> unless i've gone a wrong route not that i can think well of. i mean technically between if you want to talk about like the rope there is kind of a similarity between the 96 and 2002 barry where uh he drops the rope in the original and in the second one when you go down into those caverns he makes the elevator go back up remember that that lift that they mm. take to mm, go down into those yeah. caverns yeah that's pretty because yeah like you said the rope doesn't exist that was kind of my take on that it's like oh okay so that's the new rope scenario they kind of just improved it a little bit yeah, I could believe that. I mean, that this is why I think remake Barry is a lot more on the uh, on the dodgy, for want of a better term, because he's never there. He's not there when you meet Enrico. I mean, he's optional anyway. But in the original, if you don't take him, he's going to die from a hunter off screen. Yep. Um, but he's not there when Jill meets Enrico. Enrico gets shot. It's probably Wesker, but it could have been Barry. Um, yeah, and, and that would be an got, interesting twist. Yeah, and then you've got obviously he takes the elevator up. And before Lisa Travers fight, he literally holds a gun to the back of Jill's head. Now, she gets the drop on him and steals it back. But he's a lot more, I want to say, villainous or corrupted. But 
obviously he turns around, he's, he's a good lad, our Bazza, and he realizes Wesker's a bit dodgy. <laughs> you know, um, so the polarity between, I mean, remake barriers are definitely a lot more questionable, in my view. Yeah, that's that's actually a good way to put it because you know I love the original Barry. Like he, it's technically not my favorite version, but I believe he's probably my second favorite version. Uh, I know that's that's like a lot of people are like what really, but you know <laughs> we'll get to that later as we get down to it. But you know the the first version is just legendary. He he's a legend. He's probably one of the best parts of the original Resident Evil. Everyone says like talks about the corny voice acting in the first one, but Barry's got it on lock. Like it, it's perfect. Like he's got that. What, uh, the the Bruce Campbell style of B acting, in my in my opinion, uh, that's the that's the best way to put it in my opinion. I always thought uh, going back to the rope, maybe that it's a display that the sh- the stress is really getting to him, and that like he just accidentally drops it because not only is he in this like hellish situation with monsters, he's also a big part of his mind is on oh my family okay, and maybe it was accidental. Um, but I'm I gonna would... go outside and get eaten by a monster. Yeah, exactly. Um... There's bits like that, like in remake, where he's talking about maybe he needs to go get some fresh air and that kind of thing. Which obviously, uh, you meant to doubt the like if that's actually what he means, or you know he just wants to get out of your hair because he's up to no good. But um, I would agree that he is he's probably the standout character of the original game in terms of three dimensional. Um, yeah. Okay. So his dialogue is just you know something else entirely it's pure insanity even today it's just (laughs) iconically (laughs) terrible infamous i guess is the word um but like it gets house of dead 2 sorry house of dead 2 golden (laughs) takes takes that from barry okay dogs of the ams it is i (laughs) goldman exactly (laughs) (laughs) there is only one worse than barry and it's definitely that um but like Regardless of the, the hokiness of his dialogue and the Jill sandwich and all of that stuff, like they do a pretty good job of getting his character through. Um, he's the he is the fatherly figure. He's the family man. He's protective. He saves Jill multiple times, and um, to a certain degree, he's glad to bear the burden of being that person who uh, will look after everyone and put everyone else first. He's investigating Chris's blood and all this, and he discovers various um, corpses of other stars members and stuff. And it's all weight upon those broader shoulders, um, even to the point where um, bearing these burdens makes him vulnerable to being abused by Wesker, for example. But yeah, he does have that sense of humor too, even if it's just stupid sense of humor, Jill Sandwich. Um, and of course, the best part about him, my favorite thing about Barry is that He's just not the smartest guy. He's just a little bit <laughs> dumb every now and then. There's, there's that there's that version um, of events where uh, he takes Wesker out. I think it's the, the good ending in the original Resident Evil. He takes Wesker out with like a chop to the head. <clears throat> yep. And then they, um, they're talking about the tyrant because Wesker mentions the tyrant. And Barry just asks, can we go and see the tyrant? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got an unstoppable killing machine, and Barry just wants to go and check it out. Like, okay. <laughs> He's a very curious boy. I guess he, so. Curious Baz. I mean, he, he is a cop. You know, you've got to get to the root of the mystery. It's true. And uh, he does actually basically, and I think some of that is translation error. Um, it, what he's trying to say is we need to take care of it because if we leave it rampant, um, you know, who knows what could happen. So this is, again, him taking that responsibility and making it his own. 
Team Dad. Team Dad. Does anyone have any particular standout moments of either good or great or just like your favorite voice clips of Barry? You know, what are the ones that stick with you? Tony, what about you? From the original, uh, from the original Barry himself? Yeah. Uh, honestly, just it's he's just so uh, iconic. Like like he was saying earlier, like it's just you can't not love the guy. I don't think there's one specific one. I mean, Jill Sandwich is like obviously like the best, but everything he just says and does and the way he delivers lines, it's like, you know, sorry, uh, I lost my way and all this kind of stuff. It's just like the things he says, uh, it's just funny. The way it was delivered, it was it shouldn't have worked, but it did. All these years later, it's remembered. So there isn't one standout moment. I just think the entire performance of the character is it's just beautiful. even like even when he's dying in the original one, like where Chris and Jill finally goes, just 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 go now, just leave me be. I'm like, I should feel sad, but this is kind of funny. And then Chris adding the, my God, <laughs> <laughs> that just this is all over the top everything. And like how he dies, he just like slowly just like crumbles to the side. Um, it's the death of an awesome character, but I'm just saying, like, it, there's just not one standout moment everything that actor did he put 100 into that i loved it especially yeah. for an era where voice acting really wasn't a, a a huge deal in gaming at that point metal you know metal gear solid i think was like a year or two away from coming out so resident evil really did something with that especially with the character of barry again cheesy as hell but it worked i always wonder because there are certain parts where it's like you know what, this voice actor is just doing the best he can with a bad script, like the Jill Sandwich moment. Like, he probably read that and went, that is utter garbage, but I'm going to try and play it off like a, like a stupid, like, dad joke. But then there are other parts where it's like, that's the way you chose to read that? Like, I can't believe, what the hell is this place anyway, where he basically just cuts himself off? It, it, it's early nights, Capcom. They've only got so much time in the booth. <laughs> <laughs> it's one take, then you're done. Yeah. Mega Man X4, okay? Um, <laughs> Steve, what are your yes! standout moments? <laughs> okay, uh, basically anything that Revelations 2 lampshades. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, Jill Sandwich, that uh, easy. Master of Unlocking, legendary. I, I kind of have a soft spot for just, you know, here's some grenades, but don't worry, I'm fine. I have this! <laughs> you know, as if, okay, Barry, you couldn't kill one zombie with it without <laughs> using three bullets. It's, They're at I mean, a premium. It's, you know, it's effective against living things. <laughs> uh, it's short to yellow and mellow, those things, but that's the remake. Yeah, it is, yeah. One of my standout favorites, <laughs> as stupid as it is, I think I've said this on the podcast before, is the Plant 42 moment. Where, oh, here we go. Where yes. Jill says, Barry, you saved me. And his only response is, yeah, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. What? What is that? Oh, like you say, you can't help but love him. We just had, just, I mean, this conversation goes to prove it, really. You get stuff done just uh, in a very peculiar fashion. <laughs> That's probably the best way to summarize Barry. <laughs> so let's compare him then to the 2002 remake version a little bit more. Uh, this time around, uh, Barry was portrayed by Ed Smaron. Um, personally, this is my favorite version of Barry. Um, he's still a bit of a goof. He does have that sense of humor, um, but he's much more grounded because of obviously the, you know, less heavy handed version of the script. It helped mm. him to come full, like, 
more as the fatherly type, even more so. Um, they take sort of what is really an awkward um, character performance that we all loved, uh, but they turn that awkwardness into part of his character and they make him kind of more of cheesy dad guy. Um, for me, this really wraps his character up in a little bow and went, okay, we figured out exactly what Barry is. Um, without it becoming like him becoming just a comic relief joke character. I can't imagine how difficult that sit down and talk about how are we going to turn this character into something that people can love when, you know, for the last six years, people have just been making Jill Sandwich jokes. Um, I'm amazed they, they really pulled it off. Uh, Steve, how do you feel about uh, 2002 version of Mr. Burton? Okay, he's ranked he's, he's ranked third for me, but I don't mean that in a nasty way. I still love Remake 2 Barry. I mean, Remake 1 Barry. Um, mainly for the fact that the conflict is a lot more in there, as opposed to, like I said earlier, the re regular Barry, original Barry, is a bit more... He does a few things that are a bit dodgy, whereas Remake 2 Barry, there's a lot more what he does and the way he does it. There's elements of conflict. He leaves bullets everywhere, obviously. He fixes a door... Um, Lisa Trevor, he warns you badly, admittedly, over the radio, but bullets don't work on this thing. Mm. Um, you know, generally, and the whole the whole scene when Wesker's basically, ha-ha, my scheme is unveiled, and Barry is, in fact, a traitor, that whole scene's a lot more interesting for me because you can tell, I mean, even the face animations of the day, you can tell he's struggling with it. Mm. He doesn't want to do anything. He's literally having to choose between, here is my family of co-workers, and here is my family. And I have to basically sacrifice one. And obviously, he makes the right call. He shoots the man in the shades. But overall, he's kind of he's still third place for me. Uh, I don't mean that in a disrespect. I think Barry is still amazing, regardless of what he's in, though. Tony, how do you feel about remake Barry? I love him. I mean, he's he's definitely a more grounded version of the original. Like he's more realistic, I guess. I mean, I guess everybody's more a bit more real in yeah. the remake, uh, but they still do it very well. I mean, he's more of a dad in this too. It seems like he seems to have dad jokes. And like Steve was saying, I think one of my favorite moments from him is literally when he t warns you about Lisa Trevor, like out in the woods. I'm just, cause like this was a new area that you explore in the remake. Yeah. So to get that message very unexpectedly, like even I was just like, it's like, he's like, stay away forest outside mansion. I'm just like, wait a minute. Isn't that where I am right now? <laughs> um, where is Barry? <laughs> but no, he was he was really good in that. I think that like making him the fall guy and the one that has to like betray the team and the way he did it, I think that they did a really good job at improving the original. I don't think it beats the original, but I think by like they improved on like what it was because I, I don't if you kept that same cheese as you did before, it would have really thrown off the atmosphere of the game. But they still in a way did, but they just made it suitable for this game's atmosphere. And I think it worked out very well. And he's probably, yeah, he's probably like my third favorite version as well. Yeah, fair enough. There's some moments there that I really like, um, as we kind of alluded to, in the residence, uh, the guardhouse, where you catch him um, talking, and he's like, oh, just talking to myself, you know, getting old and all this. Uh, the mansion must be getting on my nerves and all that. It's just him either covering up what's going on and maybe a little bit of a mix of genuinely having that strain. And like you guys say, like it's clearly, it's getting to him and they've, they've figured out how to make that a three-dimensional thing. Um, and so the body language in that scene is actually pretty decent as well. Hmm. I, I, I love the way that it, you can tell he's torn to bits. And obviously now we know everything, we know exactly why, but uh, at the time, 
if you're a new player and that's your first Resident Evil, you're like, what's up with Barry? He's, he's talking to himself and he's like, you know, looking like he's had his heart broken. Yeah, if, so, like if you rewatch that scene now, because I, I literally did it like an hour before we started recording just to brush up. I'm pretty sure he's like, his body language is very closed. He doesn't really look straight at Jill particularly. Like he's always body's always turned another way and they will just like he walks around her to get out of the room and this kind of thing i hadn't really thought about that until you said it um that's mm. actually a really cool thing like what what a minor thing um but it really says a lot about what's going on with the character and obviously they brushed up a lot of the classic dialogue so you know you would have fit nicely into a sandwich is a good compromise really um Fair play to those people that have done like the dialogue replacement on remake and put all the classic silly dialogue back. That's fair enough. That's what <laughs> oh, you yeah, want. I remember like, that. It's it's great. It looks actually completely stupid, and I love it. Um, but in terms, oh, of... oh, with the, the character models over as well. Well, that too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the polygons. Yeah, yeah. We'll make better use of it. Yeah. <laughs> but in terms of uh, the core experience, I think they did a really good job of. Um, keeping all those key memorable things and just tweaking them so they actually worked in, you know, a game that when it came out was genuinely really quite uh, atmospheric and, you know, a little bit genuinely scary. Um, so if you did have the same stupid Jill sandwich lines, maybe less so. So he did a really good job, I think. The difference um, between playing Remake 2 with the new soundtrack and the old soundtrack, I feel, might have a similar kind of feeling there for me. <laughs> Fair enough. One fun fact, though, that I did learn um, as I was putting this podcast together, this comes uh, courtesy of George Trevor from Crimson Head. Uh, apparently, Barry in Resident Evil 2002 has more dialogue than anyone else in the game, which I can completely understand now, really, because obviously the protagonists are quite quiet and the partners are more reacting to what's going on. And he's much more talkative to Rebecca, but it's not something that I'd ever really sat down and thought about. So shout out to uh, Mr. Ed Smarin for reading the most amount of dialogue for that game. <laughs> yeah, like that's uh, that was actually like one of like the few takeaways I had from the remake was here's this game with this incredible working engine on the GameCube and we're getting all this amazing stuff. But the cutscenes seem very short. That's the one thing I feel that they didn't heavily improve upon. It kind of felt like. We got the same amount of cutscenes almost. I know we didn't, but like you know, uh, like the the shortness of it and the how often you actually got them, you know, mm. and that that was the <laughs> thing that kind of bugged me. I was like, man, these actors are actually pretty good, and I I like the interactions when the characters are together. I hope we see more of these. I mean, what we did get was amazing. That was the thing. Like the, that's that's what made up for it. If the scenes were just dull or boring, then it wouldn't have been fun. But it made up for the lack that there wasn't as many with what they used in the cutscenes. So, and that's great. The I didn't even know that either. I didn't know Barry had the most. Well, there you go. Mm. Expect to see mm. that as a resi fact sometime in the future. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm trying to think of what would be Rebecca's counterparts because Rebecca's only got so many in comparison. She's got like um, after Clamp Forty Two, Richard, the piano, yep. yeah, and then stuff that Barry and her both kind of have. Yeah. Oh, uh, then... don't forget, don't forget the uh, saving her from the hunter. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. Still, so Barry's counterpart that would be rope. Yeah. Still, it feels like Barry has a couple more scenes than that um, over Rebecca. Stuff like the lift, like you said, and the... Uh, I don't remember if Chris and Rebecca have a moment down where you encounter Lisa Trevor and you have to push the statues, but obviously uh, Barry in the remake has that moment with Jill where he points the gun at her um, and she disarms him and you can choose whether or not to give it back. 
Um, that was actually, uh, that was actually, yeah, that was Wesker. Uh, like Steve said, that was uh, Wesker's part because. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That was Wesker. Cause he doesn't meet Rebecca down there at all. She just yeah, wanders through the so. mansion aimlessly. And she could <laughs> die before that point. Um, yeah. If you were, you know, a complete git and just left Rebecca in the room to the hunter. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, of course. And now reading the file traveler's diary from resident evil revelations Two. Raging Recliner. October 11th, 2008. So I found this little island in a dusty old book, and it's not listed on any maps or anything. So I thought, cool, a chance for adventure on an uncharted island? I'm so there. Chartering a helicopter to get there wasn't cheap, and as soon as we touched down, the locals seized the chopper and took me into custody. So not cool. And now I'm locked up in this dirty old room. These dudes are whacked, I can't explain how, but you know how you just look at someone and something's not right? Yeah, major bad vibes here. December 10th, 2008. Two goddamn months, and I'm still here. This is bullshit. Something bad is happening. I haven't seen anyone, and I can't see it, but I can hear animal-like growling. What the f***? They haven't forgotten about me in here, right? Right? December... 19th, 2008, no food, no water, got some rainwater, it helps, no energy to even catch a rat, not, not gonna last. Okay, so after the mansion incident, um, we're going to read a little bit more here because obviously Barry has uh, a bit of a gap between his next major appearance. Um... Again, more from projectumbrella.net, so thanks to those guys. In August 1998, Burton, Redfield, and Valentine decide to continue an independent investigation into Umbrella, and they plan to begin at the company's headquarters in Europe. Burton moved his family to Canada, since Umbrella had no branch in the country. However, he learned of the biohazard outbreak in Raccoon City on the news. Remembering that Valentine had stayed in the city to investigate Umbrella's secret underground laboratory, he chartered a civilian helicopter and waited until the moment the military lifted its blockade before approaching the city at a low altitude. Moments before the city's destruction, he safely evacuated the two survivors and escaped. I'm just going to hit pause there. Obviously, that is referencing the ending of Resident Evil 3. Um, does anyone remember their reaction to that the first time they saw it? I didn't get it the first time. Oh, uh, yeah, because it is an optional ending. You have, to, like, you have to do something you wouldn't expect, where you have to literally directly flee from Nemesis, or is it pushing... Yeah, you have to jump, because then you let Nikolai steal the helicopter, don't yes, you? Yes, that's right, yeah, if you jump off the bridge. Hmm. Yeah, um, obviously, if you don't do that, you push Nemesis off and feel badass, and uh, Barry just, like, sits down with his helicopter going... <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I kind of like to seen it back um but it's it's a very it's a simple you could think that could be any beardy dude that jill knows mm. um obviously we we all know we all know we all know it's barry going you know yeah yeah and i think that's his only line again you know channeling plant 42 <laughs> i think i think he has one other but i'm not quite sure what it is um is it like i couldn't let you die something maybe? like that yeah I but it, i mean tony's the resident evil 3 guy i don't know if you remember dude yeah, no, that that's his uh, that that's his thing. He's like, yeah, like I couldn't just let you die. And she goes, he's like, are, and she was like, are you? And he goes, yeah, yeah, something like that. It's mm -hmm. like, what do you say we finish this? It's been a, it's been a while since I played uh, three because I've been saving it up for like the bit like for a big thing that we got planned. But uh, you know, 
yeah, his his part in three was very small. And for me personally, yeah, I actually got it the first time. So I was kind of like mind f***ed. I was like, oh, crap, another original returning character. This is kind of a big deal. Because like Jill was the first character that technically made a comeback. Hmm. Uh, Canon-wise. I mean, if you play Resident Evil 2 and those, all those uh, the extreme battle modes, you can play as Chris. But that's obviously not canon. That's just a, that's just a mode with him in it. But hmm. Um. Yeah. Like it was. It was crazy to see him in that. I was just kind of blown away by that, and that, that was the thing. And and oh, this is even better too. Up until recently, uh, I discovered this. If you, I think it's if you leave the room with, like when you and Carlos shoot down, or when you shoot down Nikolai's helicopter, or I think you either let it, you shoot it down, or you let it go. I can't remember this exactly. Uh, my buddy AJ would remember this, but if you leave the room when Carlos is there in that control tower while he's clicking buttons and you come back, or you go to the door, or something like that, you go to the, the door, or you leave, you come back, Carlos is like, Jill, there's something here, and like, uh, you press a button, and Barry actually calls in, but oh, it's okay. kind of, yeah, it's kind of broken up, so I, huh. like, playing this game for 20 years almost, okay, and just discovering that was like a huge deal for me. <laughs> That's awesome. I'll try to, like, like I said, when I stream it and everything like that, or something, or whatever, uh, whatever we got planned, or anything like that, or if I just play it on my own Twitch and everything, I'll try to like get it and send it to you guys. So you can send it to the people so they can hear it. Cause sure. I don't think it's any, I don't think it's anywhere on YouTube. I don't think many people know about that. Yeah. I've, that's the first I've heard of that. So that's really interesting. So that's a hundred percent increase in how much Barry screen time you get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, like, I mean, just his appearance in there really helped make that game even more amazing than it was. I know I, I felt that Resident Evil 3 didn't get a lot of love because it was kind of in the shadow of 2. 2 was really good, and then 3 came out like a year later. And people, it's kind of what I call the Final Fantasy 7 syndrome. Final Fantasy 7 was such a great game back in the day that when 8 came out, not a lot of people played it because it was still hyped on 7. And it didn't get as much exposure. It was the same with 3. 3 got, you know, like, I mean, well, like, 3 and 8 did get people who played the games, obviously, but it didn't get the recognition it deserved until later on, and I think that's how 3 worked. Mm. So to see, you know, like Jill being a badass in the game and then being swooped in and saved by, you know, Barry, the the Stars Alpha Team dad, shit like that, coming in to save the kids and stuff like that, to me is, was really a nice touch that they did. Mm. Yeah, yeah I, I think uh, 3 deserves a lot more appreciation than it gets. It, it, mm -hmm. Yeah, it does a, a lot, of, like a really good job of like referencing the past without being too over the top with it like the brad stuff at the beginning and then wrapping it all up with that nice little cameo and they don't make a big deal out of it they just tell you you know what's going on and it's it just yeah it just helps feel like that universe is still coming together and still the wheels are still turning like rather than just generic helicopter guy they made it all tie in so it's a really nice little nod um that they don't make any big deal out of well, there is a nuclear bomb going off in the background. I mean, <laughs> oh, sorry, a thermobaric warhead or whatever. That's I'm the one. <laughs> so uh. after the incident, uh, Barry was scouted for BOW combat experience by the Anti-Umbrella Pursuit and Investigation Team, which is a secret military organization under US STRATCOM, which is the United States Strategic Command. He worked with fellow agent Leon S. Kennedy, and we'll talk about that at the end of this discussion. We'll come, we'll circle back round to that. 
Um, after the team dissolved, he became a combat specialist advisor to the BSAA at the invitation of Redfield and Valentine, but he refused to join full-time in order to spend more time with his family. Uh, one day in the ensuing years, Burton forgets to lock up his guns. An M1911 handgun was found by his, one of his daughters while they were playing, and Moira accidentally shoots Polly. He rushes to them after hearing the shot and shouts at Moira, despite knowing that it's his own fault for not locking up the cabinet. Uh, this incident deeply traumatizes Moira and gives her an irrational fear of firearms, uh, which leads to a strained and hostile relationship between the two, which then, of course, is a big part of Resident Evil Revelations 2, which is the first playable canonical appearance by Barry Burton, in which he is portrayed by Michael McConaughey. Um, uh, in the sequel events, he is out to save Moira, who has gone missing um, on a strange island in the middle of the ocean. Um, and obviously he gets uh, wrapped up in the events of, well, Alex Wesker and all of her experiments, uh, eventually finding, well, fairly quickly finding out that Moira has been there over six months. So he's fully aware that things are pretty dire. Uh, but he's assisted by a super-powered little girl called Natalia Corda. And uh, Revelations 2 is a really, really interesting game in the canon for many reasons. Uh, how do you guys feel about Barry in this uh, entry? Steve, how do you feel about Rev 2? I love him. Uh, I genuinely love him. He's uh, Well, the first thing he does when he arrives on this island looking for his missing daughter is encounter a young girl and then immediately goes, stay here. It's dangerous. There's a big boat. I'll be back. <laughs> Obviously, he changes his mind, takes her with him, and then decides to literally be her guardian for the entirety of the adventure while punning his way through the island. And <laughs> meeting Alex and then just, you know, all the clearly built-up rage towards Albert Wesker is now directed at this woman, and he goes ham, completely forgetting about the fact that his daughter's meant to be there and then surprised when she shows up. It's brilliant. I love him. Yeah. It's actually one of my notes for this is it's so cathartic that Barry has to deal with another Wesker after one almost ruined his life uh, in 1998. He gets uh, kind of a sort of retribution again by uh, taking another one on. I love that factor. Not but yeah, to spoil like Avengers Endgame, but there could have been a total moment where I hate you, Wesker, and she goes, I don't even know you. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, that, that yeah, I, I, I love the fact that he got like his own personal little revenge kind of thing going on. Admittedly, directed the wrong party, sort of. Um, well, put his daughter in danger, so 50 50. <laughs> hmm. Tony, how do you feel about Rev 2 in general? It is literally, uh, for Barry, it is my favorite version of him. Uh, Revelations 2 as a whole, as a game, I love it. I can't decide between Revelations 1 and 2 being like which one I like the most because both have uh, strengths and weaknesses, so I give, it, I give them both like a tie. But Barry is literally the saving grace of this game. Uh, not saying that the game needed saving, but he's just the best part. His like, I literally lost it. Like the point where I knew that he was going to be the best part of the game is where he and Natalia are going through some kind of like logging area, and they got to bust down the door, and they do it, and this creature comes through, and she's like, "There's a monster," and he's like, "Time to break out the beer and nachos," and I'm like, "Oh my <laughs> god, <laughs> this guy." He's got jokes. He's got jokes still. Okay, here we go. And I think the voice actor portraying him, Michael, did the best job of being Barry Burton. Like, because they're clearly they took the cheese from past games and you know what he was in '96, what he was in '02, 
and molded him into even more of a grounded character, more one that had uh, depth to him, and just worked on it so much. And it was fantastic. I really loved it. It was awesome. And his jokes, I mean, everything he said, like when he's fighting Wesker at the end, he's like, I'm going to put you and your whole damn family in the ground. Just, <laughs> like he, like when they go, when they find the freaking mansion later on, and he's, uh, she's like, wow, this place is really pretty. And he's like, I've had enough mansions for one time in my life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, just the way he interacts with Natalia, he treats her like a daughter because, like, he has a broken relationship with one of his daughters. And Natalia is kind of like that that symbol of, like, his his second chance at being a, a better father. And I think he does that very well. The two work very well together. Just everything about him in this version is amazing and it's like it's, it's even they even say age is starting to take a hold of him like he's got bad knees uh, he says like if there's a uh, there's like an email to chris that he sends or something like that yes. and yeah and you know he talks to chris in the email and they actually got the voice actor i think it was crimson head that did it uh, or yeah. i can't remember exactly who oh it wasn't good good shout yeah. outs to them for getting the voice actors to read the emails and the letters they send to the other characters but yeah like he's got like bad knees now and stuff and he couldn't keep up with chris that kind of thing and you see him doing this adventure he gets knocked out like he gets backhanded by alex wesker off a cliff and natalia finds him later on like he's a tank even at his old age he still goes and <laughs> he's literally the best part from the jokes from the seriousness how uh you know like that point like where he goes full liam neeson he's like he turns to alex wesker when he first meets her and he goes i'll kill you later and just shoots the roof to collapse it to like cover him and natalia's escapes like he's just awesome in the whole damn thing <laughs> your Unless excitement forget your excitement he for this makes me want to prepared. play it again. Yeah, he did come prepared. That's the best part. I mean, Chris had a mission in Africa. No idea what to expect. Full, full, full spec ops unit gets a pistol. Barry, <laughs> his daughter may have been missing for six months. Oh, I'll just bring a Magnum rifle and a high-powered handgun. Yeah, yeah, he did. Oh, and <laughs> that, that was that was the greatest thing towards the end, like where like they're at the helicopter part at the end, and she's like, "Are you sure you don't need me, Dad?" He goes, "Oh." For now, I have this, and I lost my <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh my god, he said it! <laughs> like, I, I literally just lost. I was like, this is this is it. This guy is one of the greats. Like, this is awesome. This guy, and he has that slow motion, like, 1980s montage action walk towards the screen. It's just like, are you serious? You're fighting this giant worm creature with just a mat? Like, dude. Hats off to you, old man kicking ass. <laughs> listeners, if you haven't played Revelations 2, you are missing out. Yeah, if you haven't, you definitely will be excited after hearing that because I haven't played it since it came out and I really want to play it now after hearing all that excitement. <laughs> yeah, like I, I went through and played it recently with uh, my friend Sabrina. She and I do a lot of streams together and she was Natalia in it and she was Moira and we mm. just had a blast playing it. People were loving it. People were dying laughing at what we were playing, like, you know, how we were playing and how many times like I kept dying and it just, it's such a fun game because Barry's, like, I mean, not, not to say Claire and uh, Moira's parts aren't bad. Like, they're actually pretty entertaining for the most part. But Barry's scenario is just the one that you have the most fun with. Plus, like, the little backstory he gives, like, when he's carrying Natalia and he's talking about, like, you know, uh, you know, Polly had an accident and all this stuff. And how he, like, says, like, you know, oh, it was my fault. I did this kind of thing, like mm -hmm. Steve was saying earlier. It's just, it really makes him probably one of the most, if not most complete character in the Resident Evil franchise, where characters like like you know Albert Wesker and Hunk are like the most mysterious still in many ways, so it was great to see him get that much, which is you know why I hope to see him in future games. But will we? Maybe who knows? Depending on how they do, because 
I mean, for anybody who hasn't played Revelations 2, there is, if you get the right ending to the game, there is something that could allude to him being in future games because there's kind of something scary, like in many ways, kind of uh, like messed up. Well, so, like, so like we both endings, Tony. Tony, I mean, um, even in both endings, Barry technically still survives, only he knows the secret in the bad ending, whereas he doesn't. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was heartbreaking because uh, I, I got that ending first because I was an idiot and did it the wrong way. I didn't realize there was like my friend's like oh yeah did you know that you're not supposed to do this is this part right there and i was like wait what they're like yeah what uh you did you just do it and i was like i just got it at the like an hour ago why didn't you message me sooner it's like oh i beat it last night i thought you were awake i'm like i don't sleep you could have told me <laughs> but no like i mean guys seriously if you love resident evil and like you know for especially for newcomers if you get into the barry character this is his standout game this is his game more than it's even claire's which is amazing like you know because claire's a fan favorite but yeah, in my opinion it's not the marketing but barry's it's barry's story really yeah mm. it really is like it really feels like she takes a backseat she might be the girl on the box but you know, for those of you who don't get that joke, if you're the guy on the box, it means you're the most prominent and best part of the game type deal. Like it's kind of thing, like with uh, like with Street Fighter and all that jazz. But <laughs> you know, with this way, it's just it really is his game, and it yeah. does tell a really good, heartwarming story while interjecting fear and action and you know, like hopelessness and trying to just hold on to like any kind of thing to survive. Like they really did a good job with it, which is why I said earlier that this was a game that really helped bring survival horror back in many ways before seven came out. And it is, it's the definitive Barry version uh, yeah, version of Barry Burton's story and the best version of him possible. In, in my personal opinion, I don't want to get people mad by saying it's not, but you know, <laughs> I think you, yeah, you're totally right. This is the Barry game, which is kind of amazing that this exists. Cause obviously he hadn't appeared for so long, like resident evil three canonically, was his last appearance like and then finally yeah, yeah. he gets this crowning moment um shout out to some of the guys in the project umbrella podcast and funnily enough we're talking about this the other day um uh, the batman in particular um had pointed out that the reason that claire and barry were picked for this game was essentially fan service um because there was planned DLC for uh, Resident Evil 6 with Claire in it that never came out. So obviously people wanted that and felt disappointed that that wasn't going to happen. So that's why she's part of Rev 2. Uh, and in Barry's case, at one point, obviously, he was planned to be in Resident Evil 5 um, as the partner character. And um, there's also rumors that he was potentially going to be some sort of DLC for Revelations 1. I, the validity of that has been disputed for a long time. Um, but mm. obviously, even regardless of that, like him having his own starring role had been something that people had wanted for ages. People wanted to see Barry back. So I remember when it was announced, these were the two characters. People were super excited. And this is the Barry game. Like you say, like that first sort of <clears throat> half where it's Claire and Moira. It's Moira Burton telling you about her history with her father. And then you get Barry's perspective of that and what happened and the revelation of why that relationship um, fractured. And of course, in Barry's campaign, he's the one that discovers, and as the player, like you discover with him that the overseer is Alex Wesker. So he gets that moment. And that moment won't ever, you know, that'll never leave me where they're looking at the painting. And it, like you see it in his face, just the facial capture of, oh, that's Wesker. And he's like, what? You know, I, I just love that moment. <laughs> Two Weskers. Um, just, yeah, it's so, it's so good. And Michael McConaughey did a fantastic job. They casted perfectly because it it's it's just barry he sounds perfectly like barry but even more rugged rugged and aged 
like you said, he's even older now, but yet he's still going out and doing what's right. And as I said before, with classic Barry, he's bearing those burdens, you know. Mm. Um, he takes all of that on his shoulders. He, he goes out to this island in the middle of nowhere to find his daughter. And then Natalia says she's basically dead, you know, she's been here six months in a tower that collapsed. And he's like, well, okay, I have to find out either way. Um, so I love that just the way they portrayed him, the callbacks, like the puns and all that, they don't necessarily grow his character too much outside of the stuff with like uh, Moira and Polly's incident. But that's really enough for me. Like you hit all the fine points that you need in terms of being dad joke, um, you know, responsibility guy. And they grew this sort of where has he been? Um, kind of mystery with his family as well. So he did a fantastic job. And as you guys said, like, surely, canonically, with whatever happens next, he at least has to appear in some form, even if he's not playable, uh, because of the way that the game ends and the cliffhanger that it ends on. So, I mean, personally, I did say that Remake Barry was my favourite. It was really, really tough. It was really tough. This is such a close second. Um, and I say, all three are fairly tight. I mean, one oh, for yeah. comedy reasons, two for... <laughs> You know, they're all decent, just in different ways. Absolutely. Well, any more thoughts on Rev 2? Uh, I like the dynamic between Barry and Moira when they actually meet up at the end. And uh, Barry's gone from being someone with dad jokes and being a bit stressed to literally just effing and blind. Well, not effing and blinding like a complete sailor, but he does start swearing a bit and lining mm. up just at that final confrontation stuff. And very much like, oh, thank God she's alive. Right, let's kill Wesker and get out of here. <laughs> you know? I like that. Plus, obviously, throughout the entire game, you're hearing about what Barry's like from Moria's perspective as well. So, yeah, it's, it's nice. It rides his character out very well. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I don't, you don't really get that in the series. Otherwise, um, characters don't talk about other characters, especially uh, from Moira's perspective, being sort of an estranged daughter somewhat, um, like in a negative light, like hearing her talk about her father and, you know, not necessarily all agreeable terms, which, again, it adds to the the three-dimensional character so he really is one of the one of those characters that's just the most well-built and it just I, so he's I, had so few appearances as well he, he's like still absolutely a developed character whereas jill's mostly a cypher you yes. know um, yeah and yeah. uh you're just amazing that all these years later they they managed to stick the landing with this like i can understand any hesitance they would have had um, having Barry reappear, such a beloved character after so long, and like the gap getting bigger and bigger. But they really did a wonderful job. I love Rev too, uh, and Barry. Like like you guys said, he's he's one of the main reasons why. And that's coming from someone who's like a Claire diehard. So. <laughs> so oh yeah, no. red. It's, it's number two spot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally should just like uh, make a uh, new like cover for like my ps3 version of revelations 2 and just put barry on the front cover like, <laughs> like do like a, like make up one and everything like that and throw it on there like it's a reverse or something like that uh because like i said no offense to claire because like i love the character of claire too but this was just this was barry's game and i i think the developers probably just didn't think that people would take to barry as much because he hadn't been around in so long and claire is a fan favorite so i i think that they i think even capcom just must have been shocked about that mm. okay so finally we need to talk about Barry's other starring performance, which of course is <laughs> non-canonical, which is why we left it for last, and uh, I don't know, maybe controversial. Resident Evil Gaiden, which is what I was referring to with his time in US Stratcom with Leon. Technically, 
that piece of information is still canon um, and the missions that they've had are still canon, whatever they may be. Uh, obviously Gaiden was meant to be a part of that when that was written in and has subsequently kind of been chopped out of the canon or at least in the fans eyes uh, partly for the way that it ends being kind of impossible to fit really but nonetheless we have to talk about it it's a Barry game and it should provide some entertainment um, obviously Steve and I did a video together about Resident Evil Gaiden so we've kind of reviewed the game so Tony uh, I'm, I'm going to assume you've at least tried Gaiden what did you think of it what did you think of Barry getting what was at the time his first uh, playable role oh yeah like uh, well Gaiden <laughs> what can I say about Gaiden uh, first off I did see that video that you guys did about Gaiden it was, it was good when you talked about the video Wait, was that you guys? Yeah, uh, maybe. <laughs> I think it was. I think, I, I think it was you. Sorry, it's been it's been a while. Like it's been, been a couple of crazy weeks for me. But yeah, no. Um, Gaiden Barry was just kind of hard to pinpoint because there was no real voice acting in it. It was just through text. Mm. Um, I didn't get. I never beat Gaiden. I'll, I'll say that. I I got it years and I, I never played it when it originally first came out. I think it was about two thousand and eight. I went to the video game store that me and my friends either all worked at at one point. Or we used as our clubhouse because we knew the owners and stuff. We were all friends in it. Yeah. So I walked in one day and saw Gaiden there in the glass display case. And I'm like, Joe, can I, uh, can I have Gaiden right there? And he's like, oh, yeah, how much is that? And, I was, and you know, he, he pulls out and I was like, oh, yeah, dude, it's like three bucks. Yeah, here you go. Uh, so I gave him the three bucks. And, yeah, <laughs> I think the game's worth a lot more now. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but, yeah, so, like, I popped in and played it. I'm like, my God, this is – because I've seen screens of it. So but being able to play it, I was just like, oh, man, this is, this is weird. <laughs> but <laughs> – um, I don't know. I it's there's really not much about uh about Barry in this game. I, I feel there's not really a lot much to him or Leon. They're they're kind of just the straight heroes. They're they're mm -hmm. there to do a job and save the day. That's kind of what I took away from it. Fair enough. See, there's there's two moments for me and Gaiden that are really cool. Obviously, Barry interacts with Leon kind of in almost a dismissive tone. He's kind of a bit like you know just just follow my orders kind of kind of personality to him. But there, Barry eventually. Almost riffing on remake or Resident Evil One, there's a point. I don't think you may have got to this bit, Tony, but he steals. Basically, he abandons Leon, steals the girl, and goes away with Umbrella on a submarine. Now you're kind of played this to see like oh, Barry's turned evil. Oh no! Uh, it turns out he's just trying to get the girl cured and like pulling a bit of a Joel from The Last of Us. You're gonna cure her, or I'm gonna kill you, kind of thing. Ah. For Leon, but they kind of play it originally as Barry has just abandoned Leon to die. Uh, and that's pretty much my standout moment for this game where Barry is kind of playing on his RE1 stuff and is he a traitor, isn't he? Otherwise, it's kind of like he's just, like you said, it's just, I am the hero. I have a red hair and a beard. Let's shoot some monsters. Yeah. I mean, there isn't much room for characterization in a game, like a Game Boy game that's all text chat, like you said. I think I said this probably in our review that the writing is actually better than it than it has any right to be. In a way, there is some sense of humour there. There's some back and forth. You get a feeling for some personality, perhaps, through uh, Leon and Barry's interacting. Plus, it's just cool to see them having a conversation, as you know, pixelated and stuff as it might be. It's not quite as robotic as I expected. Um, the betrayal thing, like you said, looks like he's betrayed Leon. Obviously, that's kind of playing off of the original game. But I do like the twist that they kind of... He was like a, it's like almost like a double agent. Like it looked like he was um, turning the girl over to Umbrella, but he was using them, uh, and then it all goes horribly wrong for Umbrella, and they get away, uh, and everybody mm. lives happily ever after, except maybe Leon, which is why it's not canon. Um, 
Other than that, neck, it's fine. He's not. He's not evil. He's not dodgy. Yeah, I mean, the <laughs> only other character trait they have for him is his distrust of Lucia, which seems to fit. I guess he's a bit suspicious of the fact that she sort of has superpowers, which is funny considering Revelations Two, um, obviously came many years later. Um, but this fits, and, uh, and you can't forget Darkseid Chronicles. Yeah, true enough. Yeah, with but like, another girl with powers. Yeah, it seems to be a running mm-hmm. theme. Girls with powers and boats. That's what Resident Evil is. But none of this, uh, none of this Alice stuff from the movies, please. Uh, <laughs> oh God, no! Please, God, no! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> no, just watch the Code Veronica opening. You just, uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what, outrunning a minigun? That's, that's, that's doable. Yeah. yeah, I mostly meant the like <laughs> drop the gun and then catch it. But that's that nonsense. But hey. Yeah, I mean, there's not really much to say about Gaiden. Um, it's fairly cut and dry. I'm still, you know, team non-canon. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. It just it's means not that considered... Leon wasn't ever there in the first place, maybe. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's a weird one. I say Sherwin's probably crying somewhere. We're dismissing his favourite game. Area. You know. Yeah, fair enough. Well, uh, with that out of the way, then, uh, we will wrap up with our bite-sized discussion, which focuses, of course, on Mr. Burton. What? What is this? What is it? Blood. Jill, see if you can find any other clues. I'll be examining this. Hope this is not Chris's blood. This mansion is gigantic. We could get into trouble if we get lost. We should start from the first floor, okay? And, Jill, here's a lockpick. It might be handy if you, the master of unlocking, take it with you. Oh, Barry! That was too close. You were almost a Jill sandwich. (laughs) You're right. But just take a look at this. It's forest. Oh, my God. What is it? It's a weapon. It's really powerful, especially against living things. Better take it with you. But how about you, Barry? I have this. Thank you. I'll take this then. Well, it seems I made you worry. Maybe I have been a nervous wreck since all of these strange things started happening. Well, I think I'll go out and get some fresh air for a change. I told you, don't worry. I'll just go and get some fresh air and be eaten by a monster. You saved me! Yeah. That was close. Thanks, Barry. Don't mention it. What a monster. I can't believe... What the hell is this place anyway? Okay, so we're going to end this podcast with a bite-sized discussion question that we've used before on our profile episode, so we'll probably just keep the same thing going. It just makes sense. So... What do you guys feel about the future of Barry? Would you like to see him again? Would you like to see him as a playable character? And how would you like to see him integrated? That sort of thing. Uh, Steve, why don't we start with you? Uh, Definitely want to see him again. Don't know if I'd make him playable. I'd rather have him as a uh, person trying to say uh, they encounter Natalia being a bit evil and he's the one trying to talk her down. May or may not succeed. I'd rather him be more of a passive father figure than a guy in the front lines this time. 
if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I think his, his time being the you know the combat guy, maybe as a mentor, but not as the frontline guy anymore. I think he needs a break. He needs to be with his family. Tony, what do you think? I personally would love to see him back, uh, like as, as like in the main role, if possible, because uh, he's just just from the performance of Revelations two, it just makes him such a character that you want to see again. You know, main character or maybe side character, maybe in Resident Evil eight, he's think of him like maybe how Sully was in Uncharted four, how he kind of stayed off to the distance and you know su- uh, supported Nate and his brother <laughs> throughout the series, like throughout the game of four. Something yeah, like that, maybe. That. Yeah, I yeah. could I, I could live with that if he wasn't the main character. Just as long as like he has an appearance or something like that. Like, you know, I would be happy with that because he's such a good character that left a great impression where you just are like, oh my god, I must have more. <laughs> yeah, I think I agree with both of you in a weird way. Um, I think I'd love to see maybe one more um thing where he's a major character just just to get a little bit more out of him if only for the fact that we went so long without barry that it's almost kind of a shame to let him ride off into the sunset but at the same time i do like the fact that i mean all these characters are aging now right so they can't do this forever um and i'm of the opinion really that we should be uh in the resident evil universe establishing new characters to take on the new stories and older characters are going to have to retire eventually. We can't have 80-year-old Leon and Chris go into every single mission front line. It's just, it's nonsense. So Barry, obviously, being the elder statesman already, should start taking a reduced role. I'd like to see him um, with Chris one more time, or, or properly, really, because they never really had a game together, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah, of course, because obviously he's sort of like, in a way, he's Chris's mentor. Um, so it'd be nice to see that. Maybe even if you're going to have a game where Chris sort of finally hangs up the boots at the end, which personally I would have done that with Resident Evil 6, but it would be cool to see Barry as sort of like the guy that says it's time to stop, as as someone that's already retired, um, be the kind of the guy holding the door open for Chris to just walk away finally from all the stuff that he's been through. I'd love to see him in that kind of role. But all the same, if he got in on the action just a little bit, It'd be pretty cool because there's nothing cooler than Barry Burton wielding uh, his hand cannon. (laughs) Okay, well, nothing else remains for me but to thank our contributors. If you'd like to be part of the show, then please look into auditioning for our file readings. One way to get in touch is to email us at fasprayPod at gmail.com. But of course, the best course of action is to join our Discord server where you can also ask questions for the bite-sized discussion, discuss Resident Evil with us and other fans, and listen to the podcast live as it's being recorded. The link to the server is in the description of this podcast and also on all of our social media profiles. You can follow us on Twitter at FASpraypod, on Instagram at FASpraypod, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash FASpraypod. You can find the podcast on YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and if you enjoyed the show, then please do leave us an iTunes review if you can. It helps spread the word. Our next episode, and I said this on the last episode, so let's hope I'm not wrong twice, will hopefully be (laughs) Film Club. Yes, we are going to talk about the live-action films. It's just a matter of getting everyone together that wants to do it. But beyond that, as we kind of mentioned... (laughs) <laughs> everyone <laughs> wants to do it everyone 
but beyond that, as mentioned in this show, Resident Evil 3 is coming up with its 20th anniversary. So if we don't get to Film Club, look out for our Resident Evil 3 special. It's going to be one of the two. Thank you to the panel. You can follow us all individually. I'm at Sinyak underscore 123. Steve is at Firebutton Games. And our special guest, Tony, is at 1 underscore big underscore boss. And thank you for listening. Have a good week. Yeah, I'm usually not big into mobile games and stuff, but honestly, like the Teppin, because it's Resident Evil and Capcom and Capcom mm. is, you know, my jam, uh, it really made me want to play it because it was just characters I loved. And I watched some streamers play it and everything too, like when it before it got released to us, and I was just like, Oh my god, this is this is great. Like, I love this. I want this game now. Like, this is just great. Oh, oh god, Max dude meltdown on that game it was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, oh god, that's where I saw it. Yeah, Maximilians, yeah. <laughs> I, I was I was literally almost going full Christopher Walken right there. He's coming. I was like, wow, <laughs> beautiful they are. Why? How have I not played them before? <laughs> it's like, oh right. my god, I, I, I'm I have multiple personalities. I think <laughs> I believe I'm Christopher Walken. <laughs> wow.